Morning. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Garrett. I serve as the director of local missions here at Novin. It's good to be with you. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Ooh, let's find out who stayed up the latest last night. Um, show of hands, how many of you guys made it to midnight? Most of you, very good. Uh, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. How about one? Anybody make it to two? Okay, we still got some. Three. Okay, we're starting to lose some. There's a few. How about four? Jeff Hester. Well done, sir. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try and make this quick for you. Um, <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, this is the time for change. Isn't that kind of interesting? Like, obviously, the, the, there's the change of the calendar. But then collectively, uh, us as a society, we have deemed this the time for personal change, you know, New Year's resolutions. Um, maybe you all have, do New Year's resolutions. If you do, I think that's fantastic. I personally have never done one. I don't really know why. Uh, it wasn't really much of a thing in my household growing up. Um, no biggie one way or another. I, I, like I said, I think it's really cool if you have a New Year's resolution. It's the time for change. But it's not, um, it's not change for change's sake. It's a time when we identify something about ourselves that uh, we would like to improve or introduce something new to our lives that would be beneficial. It's good change. Hopefully. It'd be weird if it wasn't. Now, we're talking about growth, freshness, rejuvenation, newness. And I know that the vast majority of people give up on their New Year's resolutions by the end of January. But I think the intent surrounding this time of year, it's still pretty cool. It's optimistic. It's joyful. New beginnings. And you know, this idea of newness, it fits in rather nicely with the biblical canon. It's actually a really key theme in the entire biblical narrative, newness. Like, you can see it all throughout Scripture. And therefore, it's also kind of a key theme for reality in general. God promises newness. And the Bible uses a bunch of words to describe this. It's Usually those R-E words, right? Like uh, redemption, restoration, reconciliation, rejuvenation, etc., etc. It's that idea that something needs to be brought back to what it once was, to its former glory, if you will. And so, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage from the Bible uh, that touches on just this, this idea of newness. And it does so very straightforwardly. Um, so would you open your Bibles to Revelation 21? We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. If you don't know where that is, it's most likely either the last or second to last page of your Bible. So very simple to find. You're welcome. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage for us. And then I encourage you to please follow along with me. This is Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is God's word for us today. So before we jump too deep into our passage. Um, I do want to touch on a few things about the book of Gen- or the book of Revelation as kind of a whole, because Revelation can be kind of a tricky book in the Bible. You know, essentially all of it is portrayed as a vision that the Apostle John received from God very, very late in his life. And a lot of it seems to deal with what we refer to as the end of the world. And now I'm sure a lot of you are aware of this, um, but a lot of people in the past have read Revelation throughout history and almost translated it as a playbook of how the end of the world is going to come about. Some people have even tried to use Revelation to predict uh, when the end of the world will be. And quite frankly, to keep it short, this type of like ultra-literalistic reading of Revelation, it's not terribly helpful or even accurate. I mean, maybe, absolutely, maybe the events that are depicted in Revelation will happen precisely as they are written, but that's not really the point. Um, If this is what we're focused on when we're reading Revelation, then we kind of miss the point of why it was written. You see, Revelation is written in a genre of biblical literature called apocalypse, And now when we in the modern era hear the term apocalypse, we automatically think end of the world, right? For very obvious reasons. Kind of like a predictive thing. Um, Rather apocalyptic literature in Scripture can be better described as kind of like big, grandiose passages of Scripture that use fantastical and over-the-top imagery to communicate these really big ideas and themes about life. And Revelation isn't the only place where apocalyptic literature is used as well. It's found throughout the prophets as well as uh, Daniel. Oftentimes this leads writers of apocalyptic literature to speak in terms of seismic events in human history, past, present, or future. And they use big and broad imagery to communicate these big and broad themes. So when we read apocalyptic literature like Revelation, the intent is that we would pay attention to the major themes, the major movements of what's being written about, rather than hone in on these specific details. Does that kind of make sense? It's more of paying attention to the forest rather than getting caught up in the individual trees kind of situation. It's about greater themes rather than specific details a lot of the time. And here, let's practice this uh, with our passage for today. I'm going to read it again. And what, what I want you to do is do your best to focus on the greater themes. 
rather than get caught up with the specific details, because there are some really weird specific details about our passage today. So I'm going to read our passage again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So, key themes for our passage today. I'll point out a few. God makes all things new. God's dwelling place is amongst people. He doesn't exist apart from humans, but with humans. One day, there will be no more death or suffering. Those are some of the key themes of our passage. But details, you know, like the sea drying up, the old earth and heaven will pass away, almost like they're going to be obliterated, or that the new Jerusalem will literally descend from heaven, like one day we're actually going to see a city descend from the sky, I guess. Those things are not necessarily meant to be read, like literally, we're not supposed to like focus on them. Like maybe those things will literally happen, maybe they won't. When reading passages like this, that's not the type of stuff that we're supposed to get caught up on. Rather, we're meant to focus on those key themes. God makes all things new. God will put an end to pain and suffering. God dwells with us. You see, the book of Revelation is a biblical book that was written during a period of some of the worst persecution that the church had ever faced. Like around 70 AD, I believe, around there. Christians were being mocked and tortured and killed en masse, all because they followed Jesus. There was a whole lot of pain, hardship, and suffering. And quite frankly, whether it be from persecution or just the general hardships of life, life is full of pain, hardship, and suffering at various times. And we all experience the hurt of the world at different times and to varying degrees. What Revelation as a book does, it, re it reminds those who read it, whether they be Christians of the early church who were heavily persecuted, those of us today in whatever situation we're in, and everyone else in between and in the future, it serves as a reminder that pain, suffering, and evil does not win. Revelation is about hope in the midst of pain. Revelation is about the promise of the redemption and res restoration of all things. Revelation is about newness. 
You see, a massive part of the biblical narrative is that God sees our hardship, whatever that may be. And he doesn't deistically sit apart from it. Rather, he seeks and actively works to bring restoration and redemption to all things. And he will. A really big part of this is that he brings redemption and restoration to us. Because we need it. Each and every one of us. Like he literally restores us as people, as his image bearers. It's not that we will ultimately be restored one day, yet there will be that ultimate restoration one day. But he also restores and redeems us now. But I think, I think some of us might be a little prone to forget this. So, um, I'm a very forgetful person about certain things. It's quite specifically my calendar. <laughs> my wife is here and can attest to this. She will remind me over and over and over again about what our weekend plans are or where she's going later that evening or whatever else. And I'd say about 50% of the time, that's really generous to myself, about 50% of the time I still forget. Lexi, is that, that correct? That was a really, that was an enthusiastic thumbs up if you didn't see it. <laughs> I need to have stuff repeated to me like all the time regarding my calendar. Doesn't it seem like the Bible repeats itself over and over and over again too? Like have you ever read the Bible and thought to yourself, how could the Israelites not get it? God keeps forgiving them and saving them, but they keep straying away from him. Or maybe we think this sometimes about Jesus' disciples. How do the disciples not get what Jesus is talking about? How come they keep doubting him? I think we're a lot more like the disciples and Israelites than we may think sometimes. Not just that we're prone to wander, or that we're prone to fear, or that we're prone to doubt. We are also prone to forget God's promises. One of the biggest promises that God makes in Scripture, in fact, it's probably the biggest, is that because of Jesus, we are freed, freed from guilt, shame, condemnation, Whatever, whatever we have done, past, present, or future, he makes us new. And there are so, so many passages of Scripture that talk about this. And I think it, this is just me personally, I feel like the Bible repeats certain things because we need it repeated to us. We forget this. Like, I'm going to read some of these passages. Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1.14, Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Corinthians 1.30, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. 
who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Romans 3, 23 through 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. God. Guys, this is a very, very small sample size of passages like this throughout Scripture. But I think, I think many of us are prone to forget this promise. We need these constant reminders. So no need to raise your hands this time if this is you or not. But are you prone to kind of distress about mistakes that you make or have made in the past? Like, do your mistakes kind of just rattle around in your head? Are you incredibly hard on yourself, not allowing yourself to let go of your past transgressions? Maybe this then turns into you questioning your standing with God. Or perhaps it causes you to question if God really could make you new, bring about healing here and now. See, what we see throughout all of Scripture is that God is a God who makes things new. And it's not just, oh, oh, you know, one day God will make me new. He will heal me. Yes, there will be that ultimate restoration, but that healing, that redemption, that restoration is a present reality as well. Yes, sin exists. We're still going to sin. But he also makes newness a reality for us now. His spirit indwelling within us. You see, we don't have to question our standing with God. All the passages we just read kind of tell us that. Christ died for all of us, whoever we are, whatever we have done. So if you are someone here today, or maybe you are just prone to doubt or question this reality, you can wholeheartedly without a shadow of a doubt, just let go of those doubts. It's over. Just like Jesus said when he was dying on the cross, it is finished. Likewise, God also promises that he is actively working within us, that we are not slaves to sin like we once were. Sure, Like I said many times, we will continue to sin. We're not perfect. But the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, like the the Spirit actually dwells within us, tells us that God is constantly healing us and constantly bringing us closer to him. You see, Ephesians 4 and kind of Romans 5 as well talks about the new self that exists when we draw close to God. God promises that in many ways the old self passes away and the new self comes forth. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but God brings about healing in us presently and will ultimately bring a total and final restoration one day. 
But not only this, God does not just make us new, but as we kind of specifically saw in our passage from Revelation today, God will make all things new. Boy, isn't that something we need. Um, so, me personally, um, I don't consume the news anymore. Like, in, like, really. No national, no international, no local news. No newspapers, no online articles, nothing. It doesn't matter if it comes... It doesn't, really doesn't matter whatever source. I just don't consume the news. And this doesn't mean I don't know what's happening in the world. Like, if there's really big something in the news going on, it's going to get to me somehow. But let me explain myself on this, because I think for many of us, this can kind of seem like irresponsible of me. Um, It doesn't come out of a stance of being against the news or media. It's more just... The news has, like, a really big capacity just to affect me in a really big way. Um, Like, it's hard to just be bombarded with every terrible thing that's happening in the world at all times. I used to have news apps on my phone. You know, I'd open them up every once in a while. I don't even know why I did this, but I used to, like, the very first thing I used to do in the morning was be like, turn off my alarm on my phone, roll over, open up a news app, and just see what terrible things happened in the world while I was asleep that night. I have a hard time letting it go. Like, I'm really aware of how screwed up the world is. Do I really need to hear the specifics and details about that triple homicide that happened a few counties over? Do I really need to hear the details of that kidnapping that took place in another state? And I know this may sound kind of unsympathetic, but trust me, it's actually quite the opposite. It's that it affects me in such a deep way. I feel these stories. And quite frankly, if I allowed myself to consume the news at a regular rate, it would just bury me. I would be a shell of myself. And so I say all this not to advocate for you guys not to watch the news or anything. Um, Not at all. Not at all. Everyone's different. I'm just a particularly sensitive person to those type of things. Rather, I say all of this just to highlight how absolutely messed up our world is. Terrible news 24-7 in all parts of the globe. We don't even need to look to the news to see this, really. However, Scripture and God provides us hope real hope. Assurance that although our world is really screwed up, it's not always going to be that way. As we saw in Revelation, God will make all things new. Evil does not win. Suffering will end. 
God is greater. And so I think we live in this weird in-between place. Like we experience hardship and pain. And it would be incredibly disingenuous and inauthentic to just shrug these things off. However, because of God and his redemption, we have reason for real and significant hope. We do not have to despair because we know that whatever this world throws at us, literally whatever, it will all be well in the end. And so if you're someone here today who just feels bogged down by the pain of the world, whether that be from personal circumstances or from the greater state of the world or both, man, I am right there with you. Your feelings are valid. They make sense. They're not wrong. At a certain level, it's good and appropriate to allow ourselves to feel these things because it is honest. But I do also want to encourage you, if this is you today, that this is not how things will always be. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God has never failed. He's not going to fail with this either. Today, it's New Year's Day. It's a day that we celebrate newness. And what a great thing to celebrate, truly. And we know that God is a God who makes all things new and will make all things new. What an infinitely greater thing to celebrate. 